Ew. What are we ewing? I'm ewing, um... So I use this stats for Spotify app and and like I, I use just like I you know it, it just keeps track of everything. It's 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 phenomenal. But um what just what I just ewed here is I was reminded that over the past four weeks, which is my current stats here, I have listened to seven hundred and twenty one minutes worth of the Smashing Pumpkins. So you listened to this album two times then? <laughs> I mean, no, but like, no, here's the problem though. Like that's, that's, that's t- like 12 hours. I've listened to 12 hours of Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, that's And that is not including some of the other stuff I've gotten into. Okay. Anyway, I'm ready whenever you are. Hi, I'm Chris. And I'm Jeff. And welcome to the Sound Judgment Podcast. Where every episode, we'll be discussing all of the important musical topics, from reviews to which member of Motley Crue is the most vile. I'm going to judge the officials. I'm going to judge all the judges. It's going to take you people years to recover from all my opinions. No, listening to 12 hours of Smashing Pumpkins, that means you listen to this album three times. That is not true. Uh, this album is only, only two hours and 18 minutes. Chris, what did we listen to? Oh, man. You 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 let me know a couple weeks ago that the new Smashing Pumpkins album is out. It sure is. All three discs of it. Well, okay. So, third the third part. The third uh, part. This is, this is Autumn, a rock opera in three acts, which I will just refer to as Autumn from now on. I'm not going to give it the full title every time. It's, that's unnecessary. Um, which you've listened to the first part that came out back in October, well, right? I listened to a couple tracks off of it, but oh, we'll okay, get to that. Okay. I, I, I made it to... Look, when I was listening to that, it came right after the Red Hot Chili Peppers album, and I got two tracks in, and I was ready to fucking... Oh, okay. <sighs> yeah. Last night, I was trying to give this song, this album a couple another chance right and all i did was add insults directed to billy corgan oh jesus i, did, I tried listening to it and all i wrote was more mean things so let's open with some positivity jeff let's say nice things about billy corgan before we start roasting him okay actually why don't we start with this because I'm, I'm genuinely curious what is your history with smashing pumpkins Okay, so I'm going to re-answer this question because I have no idea what the hell I was talking about when I initially answered it. I seem to remember ads running on TV for the Smashing Pumpkins' greatest hits around 2004 or so, which, like, that was kind of a thing they did back then, except that CD came out in 2001, so I don't know about that. Uh, Regardless, my sister was a grunge kid, so I grew up, like, knowing the big Smashing Pumpkins songs, and I got into, like, listening to alternative rock and entry-level metal on the radio by the time I was, like, 11 or 12. Uh, So I more or less grew up knowing their big songs from the radio. And at some point in high school, um, I donned my eye patch and I checked out their best of and I attached my hook hands and, you know, found all of their albums. Um, But I do think I bought... Do you remember those when they used to put out like the music video things on DVD? Like the music video collections? Oh, yeah. I have a few of those. I bought bought the Smashing Pumpkins one of that. So Billy did get some of my money. Um, Okay. But I I remember... um, getting that best of and i really um you know i mean for better or worse he is one of the most memorable and influential singers and songwriters of the 90s right uh he yeah i really appreciated that he brought sort of i mean not that i had the word for it at the time but like a shoegaze influence to grunge yes um plus yeah, it absolutely. and and that uh best of actually like goes into like some of their electronica years too which i even those, I think, are kind of, like, on some level underrated. 
All of their albums, I think I like songs off of, but I don't listen to them the whole way through very often. But, um, okay. but like, I mean, dude wrote some really great songs and like, even beyond the best of, there are some really good songs on those albums, like mayonnaise and stuff that like, you don't hear talked about all the time. He wrote lyrics I, that resonated with people at the time and some really great melodies and songs. And he made a string of hits despite having a voice that could be called divisive. Yeah. I can I just say real quick, I love the fact that I knew you were going to mention the song Mayonnaise because you've told me before. And I just I just love the fact that that's one of the songs you go to. Yeah, I don't that's know one why. of my favorites. I, I don't just, know why. I just think that's so interesting to me. But I mean, you know, we joke about tier lists sometimes, but like if we're making a tier list of the 90s, Smashing Pumpkins are probably in the second rung, like right below like the the big names like Nirvana and Alice in Chains and Pearl Jam. So, in uh, there's a Facebook group that I've referenced before. This uh, that 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 um, unpopular guitar opinions. Group. Yeah, there was someone a while ago who, you know, people were just trying to like get a rise out of the out of everyone else in the group. It's the whole point. It's a shit posting group. Yeah, someone put something just like Smashing Pumpkins greater than Nirvana. And when I stop and think of that as a concept. My answer is maybe, again, I like my maybe answers today, and that is that the Smashing Pumpkins, I would argue, have higher highs, and I would argue they are more talented individuals. Yeah, absolutely. When the Smashing Pumpkins wrote a great song, they wrote a great song. Yeah. Um... Now I've always kind of had an issue with their lyrics. I've always find I've always found them a little corny. I agree. That's so I said they captured the mood of the time or whatever I said, and not that they were yeah fantastic. But like but... the everlasting gaze is an incredible song. Yeah, today is a beautiful song. Nineteen seventy nine is a brilliant song. Disarm is, I mean that's that's like a regular in in my rotation. That is a song that I will listen to quite a quite a bit over you know over the course of a year. I told you my disarm story about my teacher, but do you know? Did I ever tell you about the fucking today's story? No. I'm watching a dating show on like I mean I'm not I don't think I was watching. It. I was waiting for it to end on MTV or something. Okay. And they do the final thing of them like walking on the beach to smashing pumpkins today. Today uh. is the greatest day I've ever known and shit. Not yeah. really realizing that some of the other lines are like pink ribbon scars that never forget, and it's about yeah, like self mutilation. <laughs> it's not a happy song. Like the first line is, it's ironic. Sar- is is ironic or sarcastic or whatever. Like yeah, that's not. I hate when people do that. That's yeah. like, oh my god, I don't know how many times I've had to try and explain to people that I want you back by the Jackson Five is not an appropriate wedding song. Oh my god. Like, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. That's, that's, are you listening to the words at all? Like, this is not okay. Um, or like, oh my God, I'm so glad I haven't really dealt with this much personally, but I know at least for a while, every breath you take by the police was a popular wedding song. And that's just gross. I don't know what's wrong with people. Yeah. Like, did you graduate, did you graduate to a breakup song by Green Day too? Um, I don't believe so, but I do remember since I was involved in the music department in high school and involved in the plays and musicals and whatever, there was like an end of the year, like banquet that celebrates all the seniors graduating. And then there's 
And they have like a DJ or whatever. And I do remember um they played the song Piano Man. <laughs> because like it's a great song that everyone knows the words to. But I remember like I'm standing there, like, you know, doing that thing where like you're in a circle, like arm over each other's shoulders. And I'm standing there with my buddy Joe on one side and his his sister Julie on the other side, and we're singing Piano Man, and I'm thinking, this is a song about getting drunk in a bar and none of us are 21. <laughs> like, it occurred to me right then how bizarrely inappropriate that song was for the occasion. I think, um, I think I have the best example of this, but after that we gotta get back on track. But they yeah, played pumped up but they played pumped up kicks when I went to my college orientation. Oh, what the what the actual <laughs> fuck? That is a... oh I'm not okay. Anyway. We don't anyway, need okay. to talk about it. Nope, anyway. we're not we're back to Smashing Pumpkins. So okay, so like Smashing Pumpkins, to me, they are what I would call one of those greatest hits bands. And I'm sure I've mentioned this before yeah. on the podcast. These bands where I could take their discography. And I could do, um, was it Topher Grace who did the whole thing with the Star Wars prequel trilogy where, like, he cut and spliced it up and made it a single movie? Yeah. And got rid of all the garbage? Like, I could take the Smashing Pumpkins discography and cut it down to a single album, but it would be a great album. But everything else is garbage. See, that's actually funny because uh, listening to this album actually got me to put more songs on my Smashing Pumpkins playlist. It just made me like old shit better. Okay, I'm gonna get there. We're getting there. We're getting there. I didn't get to that yet. I'm I'm talking about where I'm, I'm talking about where I'm coming from from a viewpoint of the Smashing, like where I stood with the Smashing Pumpkins up yo up until a few weeks ago, right? For the most part, they were a band I would have said like I'm not genuinely a fan, and I know we've talked about like how do you define yourself as a fan? Yeah. Like I love three albums by Elton John. Am I an Elton John fan? The dude has how many albums? I don't know. Um, I would not really call myself a fan of the Smashing Pumpkins. But there's a handful of really, really great songs here. Okay, yeah, I'll I'll more or less agree with that. I I think, it, yeah. So, Smashing Pumpkins. We listen to this new album, this three parts. Well, I listen to it as a single album called Autumn. It is two hours and eighteen minutes long. It is thirty three songs, and it, it is, a is it is a concept album. That is part of a trilogy of concept albums. So this was news to me, actually. Let's get this out of the way as so that's well. Okay. Let's get this out of the way. This was also something that I have in my notes as a very, let's get this out of the way. Because yeah. this is an elephant in the room. Um, because it's, yeah, it's not enough that this is a concept album. It has to continue a story that no one completely knew was happening, evidently. Um, I remember Machina having a story, but... Uh, I don't know. It seems like a leap to say that Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness is the beginning of this trilogy that he's saying it is. Uh, which, in and of itself, I want to point out is a two-disc album that's about two hours long. But that one's at least good. Um, I mean, how can you argue? They had five album or five hits off of that album that has 28 to 30 to 92 songs, depending on which version that you get. Well, okay, so real quick, though. Um, so first off... Everyone I have heard, including Billy Corgan, pronounces it Machina, which is this weird running thing where Billy Corgan, I'm, I swear to God, he does it intentionally. He pronounces words not the way that anyone else would pronounce them. So I am going to, I am going to refer to that as Machina. I bet you there was a time that I knew that. I bet you there was a time that I knew that that was called Machina because that sounds familiar. I have listened to a lot of Billy Corgan talking. 
that that 12 hours of listening to Smashing Pumpkins does not include everything else I have been listening to lately. That is just listening to this album and some other Smashing Pumpkins. I feel but like anyway. he brought that up somewhere and I knew that. But yeah. yeah. So anyway, I'm just, just getting it out of the way. Um, so yeah, so the idea is that Autumn is a continuation of those two stories, which I'll be honest, I do not know the story involved. I know that in Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness, the main character goes by the name Zero. Zero. And then that same character goes by the name Glass in the Machina albums, which again was also two albums. It's two separate it's albums. It's two albums, yes. Again, I mean, this is... I, I actually... I remember in high school trying to like get into the whole Machina storyline. So um, here's what I've gathered. I also did a little bit of digging today, okay? Um, I, I mean, first off, uh, going back to uh, Melancholy, uh, it seems like most people agree that if there's a story going on, it's fucking unintelligible, but it's also more likely that he's just kind of saying that in retrospect, although it seems like he may have planted seeds for this story that he was writing in some of his songs. I don't think there's a story A to B going on in Melancholy, but I think there may be songs where he dropped hints that he's going to be putting out this story. Does that make sense? Yes, and from what I from what I understand in, in interviews with various producers he's worked with over the years and whatnot, that does seem to be the actual intent. It, at best, the best description of a story that um, I could find is like a day in someone's life. But even that kind of falls apart if you look at how... Okay, so getting into track listings, I think... I know that we have our disagreements on it, but if it's a story album, I think track listing is important, right? Yeah, I think that, that, is, on that. that is one of the that is one of the times where I will say like the album order obviously matters if you're telling a story. So the first five songs on the CD release, the original CD release, are "Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness," uh, "Tonight Tonight," "Jelly Belly," "Zero," and "Here Is No Why." If you were to buy the LP, which actually has additional songs, which actually has an additional song that one of the DJs on the X used to use as like an outro, and you can't find it anywhere but that LP. It's not on any of the like CD box set re-releases or anything. Oh, it's, weird. It, yeah, it's just like a, a studio jam called Infinite Sadness, and I forget who it was, but one of the DJs on the X used to sign off with it, and I liked it, and that's the only reason I know what it is. But Very weird. There, there's another, uh, my history with the Smashing Pumpkin story. But if you were to buy that LP, the first five songs are Melancholy and the Infinite Sadness, Tonight Tonight, 33, which is on disc two of the original uh, uh, CD release, In the Arms of Sleep and Take Me Down. So if you're trying to order this in the order of a story, it's different between the two initial releases. I mean, I'm, I'm not buying it. So I think that's going to bring up one of my big points which is that Autumn commits what I think is one of these like weird sins of rock operas, which is that you need to read the story to know the story. Like, the story is not in the songs. And I also would argue that in a lot of cases, even in parts of Autumn, the story is pretty nebulous in and of itself. Like, there are concepts. There is an outline of a story, but, like, if someone were to try and turn this into a movie, it would involve a lot of work to make it a cohesive narrative. So actually, when you going back to Machina, since we're calling it that, Machina one and two. I don't know if you know about the history of these at all, but um, he wanted to make a double album, and after Adore didn't do very well, the record company was like, "Nah, fuck that." So he released 
Machina Part One: The Machines of God, and Machina Part Two: The uh, uh, Friends and Enemies of Modern Music, or whatever, was released yeah. independently. And I think it was also an early example of like an album put out by a major artist that was like encouraged to be illegally distributed, and then they eventually put it up for free on their website. But yeah, it's it, if there are seeds in the previous songs, then this is where they become like a story. And there's actually a fan website that tries to tell the story in great detail. And I tried reading it for five minutes and I wanted to kill myself. This is another, like, between both albums, over two hours of music, between two discs, plus, like, bonus EPs and all kinds of shit. And what it comes down to is uh, a musician hears the voice of God through the radio, changes a stage name to Glass, falls in love with a drug addict... And then she like dies or goes into a coma or something and he goes insane listening to God's voice on the radio. And it supposedly ties into this album where he is um, abducted by aliens and um, oh no, Glass is now called Shiny. He's abducted by aliens and maybe this is so that he can try to make people retroactively care about the last album which was called like Shiny and Oh So Bright. I don't know. Um, June isn't dead anymore, and she follows him into space, and he escapes from the aliens and flings himself into the sun, while the aliens lament how important he actually is to the human race and how he deserved a higher purpose. And I want you to remember, this is Billy Corgan self-insert. This is Billy Corgan self-insert right here. So I was actually going to get to that. Um, have you listened to the 33 podcast by any chance? No. So it is a podcast called 33. I it know. Is, uh, I I have. Is, I am familiar with it, though. I do want to throw that. It out is. There. It is. It is Billy Corgan and two hosts, and it is thirty-three episodes. Each episode talking about one track on the album, and each episode is like the shortest episodes are like fifty-eight minutes long. Most of them are over an hour long. So we're looking at like forty hours worth of podcast. Now, in all fairness, a lot of it does amount to just like interviews with other people. The first. 20 minutes, half hour-ish of each episode is basically Billy answering questions and explaining kind of where each song fits in the story. And I have a quote here from Billy. Um, quote, Shiny has always felt that he has a particular mission in life that is above just being a musical star. Billy says this like three seconds after saying that there's a lot of shiny in him and a lot and he is a lot of him is is in shiny like him he literally said basically like this character is based after me and then immediately says and he has a bigger mission in life than being a musical star and that's exactly um the same issue that kind of exists on on machina if you remember i said that one's about a rock star who essentially has a, a rise and decline and he's said that it's based on Zero, who is based on him. So, I guess the whole the whole Smashing Pumpkins discography is just Billy Corgan self-insert fanfics about himself. But anyways... I mean, kind of, yeah. Can I also say that there's another great... And here's another, and here's another okay. thing. While he's fucking... So, th there's these hackers on Earth that try to stop him Zero shiny glass from yeeting himself into the fucking sun while the government tries to kill him. And it's all about like how the world as we know it isn't like the isn't like the way that we perceive it. And all I'm saying is it sounds like some of the Alex Jones conspiracy bullshit that he's real into. 
Uh, so at one point in the 33 podcast, Billy says, and again, quote, the long goodbye, the song, the long goodbye, the long goodbye is about me wishing aliens would come and get me off this planet. And all I could think of was like, I don't know, man, same Billy. I also <laughs> wish aliens would come and get you. <laughs> oh my God. So this man. <laughs> so here's the thing. I listened to a lot of, I did listen to the first, again, like half hour ish of every episode of that podcast. I also listened to an interview, um, the Zach Sang show. I'm actually not familiar with him, but he seems like a really great interviewer. I really like this guy. And I listened to his like hour-ish long interview with with Billy. And here's the thing, because also uh, YouTube, guy on YouTube, who's a record producer, his name is Rick Beato. He recently did an interview with Billy Corgan, like a few months ago. And here's the thing. Billy Corgan comes off as very intelligent and really interesting for a little bit and then the ego starts to show and also there's there's a certain level of that like you know that friend i have who we jokingly called your mortal enemy for a long time yeah and she believes in like fairies like if her shoes are misplaced it wasn't her child it was like fairies that moved them or something right yeah. and you just kind of like let it go and be like haha you're so funny that's fine go ahead yeah so that's when quirky. billy starts that's when billy starts saying things like again quote trying to capture past present and future in every song and there's just times where i'm like billy like Dude, you, you, you have the potential to come off like the way Manson did in the 90s, right? This really well-spoken dude. The difference is, 30 years ago, Manson knew when to stop talking. <laughs> and, and Billy also doubles he, down. And also, Bill, or also, Manson didn't know when to, like, not abuse people. That's a whole other story. Billy does not know when to stop talking. I mean, depending on which members of the Smashing Pumpkins you ask, he doesn't know when to stop abusing people. God bless the fact that he has two original members in this band right now. Okay, well, I, I... Okay, unless there's something I missed, I understand that Billy's style of abuse is... He's an asshole. We're not talking the kind of abuse that Manson is into. I though. know, it was a jest. But I understand. I have one more quote from Billy, though, and then I'll be done with the quotes, but they just they kill me, and I have to get this out of the way before we actually get into the album. Quote, I did things in my life that everybody around me told told me was a bad idea, and I was successful. You're never going, or you're never again going to tell me I'm wrong, even when I'm wrong. That is such a cool mentality, in all fairness. I love that mentality, except for the fact that he doesn't walk the walk, right? Instead, he then comes out complaining that he doesn't get the credit that he thinks he deserves. Like, you can't have both. Hey, man, no one fucking thinks he put out a three-star record. Remember that one? Yeah, that's, that's my what I mean. Like favorite he, Billy he, he literally movie. came out and said, like, nobody believes that I don't put out perfect music, basically. Like, no, people absolutely believe that. Like, the reviews aren't lying, dude. But if he genuinely had this mentality of just like, I don't know, man, I record music that I'm enjoying because I like making it, I would be all on board. Like, I want a six foot tall poster of this man hanging above my bed. Because that is just a cool mentality and to see someone actually live that. It's like a, the Devin Townsend thing, right? Yeah. The dude has the talent to sell out if he wants to, and he chooses to just like, no, this is what I do. The problem is Billy says that's what he does, and then he complains about it. Yeah, I actually have this towards the ends of my the end of my notes, but I'll just I'll just bring it up now. Yeah, I have a I have another Billy Corgan quote that go that uh, oh, oh, good. Yeah, and this is one that makes me think he's lost his goddamn mind because listen to this. 
If you went back in a time machine to me 30 years ago, I would be plagued by the idea that not every person was paying attention. Now I'm on the opposite. I'm almost pleasantly surprised and pleased that people pay attention. That's the icing on the cake. My, it's my job to make attractive pop music that people will want to listen to while they're washing their car or something. That's okay. There's no shame in that. First off, who the hell is listening to a two-hour and 18-minute rock opera, opera about aliens while they wash their fucking car? <laughs> this may have had some credence when he was putting out catchy songs like Tonight Tonight or 1979. But what? Oh, I'm sorry, 1979, you fucking asshole. But who the hell is putting on this fucking slog of unmemorable garbage while they're washing their fucking car? I would encourage him to write some songs to jam to while you listen to the car. Or, I'm sorry, while you wash while you the, car. To the car. Yeah, I'm getting angry already. While you're washing the car, because this is very high concept, but very light on anything like jams or bops or grooves or anything that makes me moves. <laughs> well done. Well said. Okay, so I think we have it pretty well established that, like, we are both in agreement that Billy's crazy. In part, I, I don't know how to feel yet. Because I don't know him. I don't know what he's really like on a day-to-day -day basis. I don't know, is he okay? Does he need help? Or is he really, like, just a self-indulgent asshole? I don't know, because I don't know the man personally. But releasing... A two hour and 18 minute long thing. I'm gonna, I, I kind of think of it this way, right? So, this album is, it's two hours and 18 minutes. It's just like self indulgent insanity. And it's not the kind of self indulgent where it's like Ingve Malmsteen just like wanking off his guitar for an hour and then like you move on, you have a good time, right? This is like, this is like two hours. This is over two hours of, of of Billy jacking off, and then like he finishes on your face without asking you if you're okay with it. <laughs> like he just assumes, here you go. Here's two hours and twenty minutes of this. This is a nightmare. Even at their peak, I wouldn't want this much Smashing Pumpkins. And this isn't peak Smashing Pumpkins. The fucking opening track is a three minute instrumental piece of garbage dirge that you feel every fucking second of. It doesn't fuck in the way Black Sabbath and St. Vitus like make slow songs that fuck. It just sucks. It just fucking rambles through some ideas and doesn't do anything. Chris? Yeah? I really liked this album. Did you really? <laughs> oh my <laughs> god! Why? <laughs> Okay, now let me clarify that statement. Oh, we're let arguing now. Let me clarify. Go that. ahead. Oh my God. I'm so I'm so glad I got almost half an hour into this before I came out and said it. Oh my <laughs> God. Yes. So, okay, now let me clarify that statement because obviously that was like just to get a reaction out of you. Out of 33 tracks, most of this is garbage, which is on par for Smashing Pumpkins as far as I'm concerned sure. anyway. But there's actually a lot on here that I really like, and I love the fact that you call out the first track, because my reaction to listening to the first track was, oh my god, I kind of love this. This is the kind of music I tried making in college. Oh my god. <laughs> no, okay. This, this kind of music can be made well. This It's got this musical theater influence that I don't necessarily hate. I like Alice Cooper. I like when Devin Townsend tries to do something goofy like this. I like when... I even like Frank Zappa doing this kind of shit. But the thing is that artists like that 
kind of seem to realize that what even the concept of making a long concept album like this is kind of goofy, especially about aliens and shit. And Billy takes it so fucking serious. So which again is going back to, I wish Billy would shut up sometimes. Yeah. And I don't even just mean in interviews. I'm now referring to like some of these songs out of context. And if you maybe like made the lyrics a little more, I don't want to say more ambiguous because they're already ambiguous. The songs mean almost nothing, but like stop pretending these songs mean something in the context of a story. Cause some of these songs outside of that context are actually like really cool songs for, for, like no, musically. Yeah. yeah no. I love anyone who talks to me for them for more than like 10 minutes knows that I love bad eighties synths. And this oh, album yeah. is full of them. And I love this. This album honestly was very inspiring to me. Oh my God. In a way of like, it felt like, now here's the thing. This also is kind of an insult. This is like a backhanded insult here. It felt inspiring in the sense of, I listened to it and I thought I could do something kind of like this. You could do something better like, than this. individual tracks, I could do something like this. And there's a lot of really great ideas here. Again, that first track, I think I, I think the, the, the main guitar line didn't develop enough. Like, there wasn't enough going on with the melody. But ultimately, I think it's a really cool track. And I love the tone. I love the marching snare. I just feel like I want to I want to take it. I want to take it, and I want to rework it a little bit. And I think it could be one of the coolest tracks I've heard in a hot minute. I mean, I'll give you spoilers. I like track three. Um, I don't hate this oh, album. I don't, I don't know if I... Track th- oh, The Good and Goodbye is a great song. Yeah, The Good and Goodbye is a great song. That's a fun The Good one. and Goodbye is a great song. I actually, it has a I, really... It's another one that has a really great... has a short, really kind of goofy little guitar yeah. solo. But man, yeah, I man, can it's to cool. I yeah, by track three, by track three on my first listen, because I knew you were already hating it. Yeah. My first listen by track three, I was starting to feel worried. I'm thinking like, oh no, like, I, I'm i kind of liking this. Track I'm almost two. afraid to tell Chris that I like this. No, track the two, problem though, is, I have fucking written down as butterfly shite, and I just want to beg the question. Why is, because I'm skipping forward, and I want to go back for a second. Okay, go ahead. Because this man... Seems to consider himself a, a, the voice of a generation. And he opens this shit with this nursery rhyme ass garbage. It's morning to good morning. Good morning to you, son. Don't ever set on our love as our love has begun. Which has all of the depth of a Mr. Rogers song and none of the personality. But do you know the story behind Butterfly Sweet? Which is Shut the fuck up. To? Yes, I read the story. Do, do, okay, so this is June... Ban- okay, so Shiny's up in space. He's exiled, right? Yeah. And every record of him on Earth has been deleted and destroyed, so people don't remember that he existed. June exiled herself, so he's on a spacecraft orbiting Earth, and she's on a spacecraft orbiting Earth, and every morning... I don't know how there's mornings when you're in orbit. I don't really think that's how time works, Um, if you're not on Earth anymore. But whatever, every morning, this is the song she sang to him. If you could see the look I'm giving the microphone right now, pretending it's you. <laughs> I mean, it's it's bullshit. I know this is this is again. I think musically, I actually really like this. It's very sweet sounding. But once I start explaining to myself what it's about, I want to punch myself. I am glad that Billy is into musical theater. Uh, it's great that I th- I think he um vocally sounds pretty good. He sounds like he's got a little bit more vibrato in his voice. 
It's just a shame that he uh, still sounds like God gave him a second sinus instead of a voice box. <laughs> but um, I just, I, just, I think the lyrics on this album are fucking garbage for the most part. They, if I ever hear this are. man, if I ever hear this man say fucking Starway to the Stars again, which doesn't even Star- make fucking I sense, I don't even. And what the fuck is a Starway? First off, I, what the fuck I, is a Starway? And of course, it goes to the stars. <laughs> where the fuck else would a Starway go but the stars? Absolutely, in my notes, absolutely no context. I have a line that just says, Starway to the stars, question mark. I have no clue what to make of this statement. Okay, so yeah, I mean, again. 18 times he says it. So, so, you counted, oh my god. So, okay, so again, I said I really liked this album because I felt like giving you a hard time. There is a lot on this album I really like, but ultimately, no, I'm gonna say this album is mostly garbage. There's a handful of songs on here if I'm making my greatest hits album of Smashing Pumpkins songs, right, that are all good, there's a solid, like, five or six songs on here that I would put on that greatest hits album. I'm not going to fault you for that, but, but I But out of still... 33 songs, that's not... Yeah. We're not doing great numbers. For, I mean, first off, that's not a great number, and second off, I don't even think that those songs are... are. There are songs I like on this album. Like I said, track three, The Good and Goodbye, is one that I really liked. There was a song on here called Harmageddon, which aside from the title making me want to blow my fucking brains out, is not a bad song. I can't get past the title on that one. But it's not a bad song. Still, there's nothing on this that I would put up there with their 90s material. material. Um, See, that is where I would actually, that I actually will argue with you on. Okay. Because, and this just comes down to my personal taste in music. I honestly think a lot of this sounds better than most of what they did in the 90s. And a lot of that comes down to, I love, I love the the production of this. I love, I love the fact that it sounds like it was made in Pro Tools, to be honest with you. I know that sounds stupid. I know there's a lot of people who hate me for that kind of opinion. I don't care. I love the fact that this is so synth heavy. Uh, I mean, look. Which I think Billy Corgan does better than trying to sound tough. Yeah. Now, I don't think this is better. Like, I think I think the absolute best songs by Smashing Pumpkins are not on this album. Mm-hmm. Like, the top three are 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 not this. But like, there's also a lot of songs that they did before that I think are fine, but are lyrically even dumber. I don't care what anyone says. Bullet with butterfly wings lyrically is one of the dumbest fucking songs I've ever heard in my life. The world is a vampire is absolute pinnacle. I am 12 years old and this is edgy. <laughs> that's why, once again, that's why I said it captured an attitude of like, time, that, not that it was that good. That is, don't even, I don't even care. No, that is, that isn't even the attitude of the time. That is, that is Blink-182 levels of immature stupid. Uh, like, you are in a, like, no, you are an adult and you wrote this lyric. Are you, are you kidding me? Like, you really thought that that sounded like a good idea. The world is a vampire sent to drain. You're actually going to fight me that that's a decent lyric? I didn't say that. I said it captured an attitude, which I'm, which more so, despite all my rage, I'm still just a rat in a cage. I'd say that captures the 90s. Oh, yeah, that line does. I'm not talking about that line. That's probably the only decent line in that song, though. And that's, I mean, that has to be one of their biggest songs, surely. I mean, I don't think it is the biggest. I'm assuming, like, I'm assuming 1979 is their biggest hit, maybe? I actually don't know now that I think about it. I don't know what their, like, what their, like, stats are here. Uh, 1979's got it on, uh, Spotify is that the, uh, with Bullet it, with Butterfly say, uh, Ring right below it. Right below it? 
Okay, hold on. What was right the bigger seller it. at the time, though? What was the big? What was, what was the bigger song at the time? Is what matters. But either way, "Bullet with Butterfly Wings" is one of their biggest songs, and it is not even ending up on my greatest hits album. I think that song is insultingly bad. Oh, oh, I fucking hate that song. In fact, that song made me really dislike Smashing Pumpkins for a while. I had to like go back and retry. In fact, it was the song Crestfallen that brought me back to Smashing Pumpkins when I was in high school. Well, that's nice. And and I was like, okay, like this is interesting. Let's give these guys another shot. Because, oh yeah, my introduction being songs like being songs like Bullet with Butterfly Wings. Ooh, I wrote the Smashing Pumpkins off real quick. Uh, and God knows because it's really easy because if you would have handed me Autumn and said, hey, listen to this song and had me listen to Hooray, I would have immediately slapped you. Holy shit, Jeff, you know what song I have written as the worst song on the album? Is it Hooray? Holy fuck, how did you guess? Because it's terrible. <laughs> because it's really dumb. I literally wrote this has to be the worst thing that Billy Corgan not only has written, but is capable of writing. Okay, so here's the thing about Hooray, all right? Okay, it sounds like it was written on one of those Casio keyboards for children with, like, presets. I even, oh, I don't even care about that. We're going to get to that in a second, because there's a worse one. No. Hooray, the problem with Hooray is Hooray is a musical theater chorus song, okay? So what? by, and by that, I mean, what, I, what I'm referring to is, is in a musical... When you have a song that the whole cast sings, that's just like ex exposition, right? Yeah. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't, I'm not going to sit here try to give example. Oh, do you know what's the buzz by Jesus in, in Jesus Christ Superstar? I want you to know. I want you to know right here, below, hooray! I have written, and I'm going to quote this because I admit I I I kept the typo in. Okay. Okay. I think Billy Corgan really really thinks he wrote the dream alt-rock version of Jesus Christ Supercross. Yes! <laughs> yes! That's exactly... Okay, so, like, you know the song What's the Buzz, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, it's... it's to, to, you, have, you have 30 people on stage. What's the buzz? Tell me what's happening. What's the buzz? Tell me what's happening, right? It's just like a chanty sing-along song, and it's a spectacle in a stage production. Yeah. In the course of an album where the 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 story is only very loosely there, this is the kind of thing that makes people hate musicals, right? Yeah. Like, if, if, if this were, like, from a legitimate musical with a story that actually made sense, and I went to my dad and I was like, Yo, Dad, the Smashing Pumpkins released a new rock opera. You should listen to it. And I put on Hooray, all right? My dad would look at me and tell me that I was a mistake, okay? <laughs> my dad would never do that. My dad's one of the nicest people in the world. Um, but, like, you get the point. Like, it is, it is so infuriating. You have, songs. you have, you have, not to, not to get too personal, but you've been brought home by the cops, and I think your dad would beat you over this before that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, pretty much. That's, oh. Uh. Oh man! I bet Starway till the stars would get you a fucking backhand in your house. <laughs> when I was sixteen, all right, like it's like my sixteenth birthday, right? I am given a cell phone, which I did not want at the time. This is two thousand five. Cell phones weren't cool, okay? Yeah. I didn't want a cell phone. I needed a cell phone because I was sixteen and I was like never home. My parents need to get a hold of me, right? Uh -huh. And I had a really great talk with my dad 
And by that, I mean, we're sitting in the living room. I open up my cell phone. Like, I, I knew they were getting me a cell phone. They told me. They mm. hand me the cell phone, and my dad says, now listen, here's the rules for the rest of your life. I was like, oh, shit. Okay, where's this going? And he says, if you ever show up to this house in a cop car, the day you turn 18, you're out of here with nothing but the clothes in your back. And I said, yes, sir. And then he said, do you want some cheesecake? And I said, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> so, like... <laughs> I feel like if I made him listen to Hooray, that would have been another moment where it was just like, I'm kicking you out. Like, I, I want nothing to do with you. That That's, yeah. But no, so I'm sorry. You, can I skip a song and go to Avalanche real quick? Yeah, go for it. Um, because the gold mask, I have nothing to say. It's just, a, it's 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 filler, which a lot of this. You mentioned Hooray having like the worst cheap Casio keyboard effect ever. Did you not notice that Avalanche is using the wonderful Christmas time sound. Well, I mean, it makes sense. He did that Christmas song. But Christopher, the song Avalanche uses what has to be considered one of the worst musical instrument sounds ever recorded. Like, people hate Paul McCartney's wonderful Christmas time for how bad and cheap and stupid that synth sound is. And Avalanche uses it. Who allowed this? Not only do, not only that, but it literally opens with like some almost unintelligible child voice muttering something about happiness. Well, there's a there's a lot of unintelligible shit going on. This yeah, but it's literally some little kid who sounds like he's whispering, but he's like not next to the microphone, going someday we'll know what happiness means. Do you... and then and then it yeah. kicks in, and then it kicks in with the wonderful Christmas time. Sit. I think I think by disc three because I listened straight through. So did twice, I. Twice, Multiple actually, times. two two times, and then like uh, the third time I skipped around. But by disc three, my eyes were rolling in the back of my fucking head. I fell asleep at some point disc three, and I had to like restart that disc, and that's still included in my two listens. <laughs> I that that disc three uh by then i was just and i wasn't even like i wasn't even like sitting there just taking in the album like i started playing video games to keep myself awake and it still put me to sleep so in other words you really didn't catch necessarily some of these last tracks mm, i caught harmageddon and that one sounded okay uh okay because i i the very last track on this album is is one that i think is worth talking about here okay because other than that, I mean, my, my biggest my biggest note that I've skipped over is that I want to do give a nod to Beyond the Veil because it understands the importance and the significance of twin leads. And um, I, <laughs> oh my God, I you and your stupid twin leads. Give a round of applause to James Eha for doubling his uh, guitar tracks. And uh, going back to the history of Smashing Pumpkins, I know how to pronounce his name because of a webcomic. Do you remember Billy the Egomaniac? <laughs> No, there was a there was a web comic that it's taken down now because they put out they put it out in book form and they want you to buy that now. But it it was about Billy Corgan and the other members of the Smashing Pumpkins. It was done in the style of Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. Um, yeah, and there's one of the comics where he goes, uh, "Is your last name pronounced like Yeehaw or like IHOP?" Oh, I do remember this actually. Oh, that's funny. Anyways, go ahead and talk about you were talking about. So, oh, so I was going to cover um, the last song on this on this triple album is called "Of Wings," and I would argue this actually 
might be the worst track on the entire thing. Chris, can I read the lyrics to you, please? I will embrace you doing anything that isn't complimenting this album. Okay. A dramatic reading of the lyrics of of Wings. Oh, Agnes Dei, Deus. Oh, Agnes Dei, oh. Oh, Agnes Dei, oh. Agnes Dei, Agnus Dei, Deus. Oh, Agnus Dei, Deus. Oh, Agnus... Alright, we're gonna skip a little bit here. La la, la la, la la, la la. La la, la la, la la. Alright, we're gonna skip a little bit more here. Oh, Clementine, oh, Clementine, oh, Clementine, Lord help us shine. Oh, Clementine, oh, Clementine, oh, Clementine, Lord help us shine. I think you're doing that Thank song you. a disservice because you skipped <laughs> I am not. over. You skipped over every oh, time I skipped these over guys every, turn gray. I did every time skip over every time these guys turn gray. Oh, that's sad. Either way, dude, 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 Billy, buddy. <sighs> that's supposed to play when the curtain falls, by the way. Just throwing that out there. That's the curtain falling, and and shiny is 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 flying towards the sun to go find June. Yeah, because now June is gone. Because now June is gone. Now June, June is missing. June is eating herself into the. I'm sun. not gonna try and follow the story. I did try. I will give a shout out. Uh, there's a guy on Reddit, Scott Fletcher M O T M. I think we found who the has, same post. <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's it's like the biggest post there. And I'm not gonna lie, uh, he man, great job doing this write up. Really and apparently, like, it's, yeah, really, really cool trying to, like, piece this together and explain everything. Uh, doesn't change the fact that it's a garbage story. I want to like this, Chris. I really do. I want to like the idea of, like, a fairly abstract, crazy story about aliens and robots and, and, and whatever. This isn't it, though. This isn't it. Well, There's some cool songs that. on here. Thank There's you some cool. There's some cool songs on here. Um, I want to just throw out a couple. Empires is a really cool song. Yeah, that's a cool song. Uh, the Culling and Intergalactic, I think, are both good. We both mentioned A Good and Goodbye, I think, yeah. is a really great song. Like, there's some really, really great stuff on here. And I'm going to stand by the opening introduction just called Autumn is awesome. I don't care what you say. I, I like love it. it. I don't care for it. I love it. But maybe I mean, and maybe that's it. Maybe I would, maybe I would agree with you a little bit more if I were one a little bit more into musical theater and one if the opening track or two if the opening track grabbed me a little bit more. Because I agree with you. I think there's, I mean, out of thirty three songs, maybe five or six really good songs on here. But also out of thirty three songs, there's five or six really good songs on here. So I don't know where to stand here, because on one hand, I want to believe. That Billy is just doing what he says, which is, like, he wants to do what he wants to do, and it really doesn't matter. But on the other hand, this feels like such self-indulgent garbage. Oh, it absolutely is. It is, is so much. And again, like, if, if I didn't... It's almost like I'd like it more if I knew less. Like, how much he puts himself in this main character who's, like, this 
misunderstood, exiled god, basically. Yeah. I wish I didn't know that. I wish I didn't know that that's what he puts himself as. Yeah, it's like, this is, this is, it's one of those things where it's like, I mean, I, I don't know how much, if you've seen this episode of South Park, but they're doing the, uh, the review. It, it actually, I think, revealed it to, to, like, the wider public, the, um, story that, that started the, what's the fucking religion that's a cult, Jeff? Scientology. Scientology? Um, Pastafarianism? Yeah. No, Scientology. They they like put they like put like the this is the the story and at the bottom is like this is what Scientologists actually believe. That's what I feel like this whole thing is is like playing and it's like this is what Billy Corgan actually believes. This is how Billy Corgan sees himself. He's this fucking just been, you know, uh uh, uh cast out by the rock world and he's this fucking misunderstood genius and it's like I don't know, dude, you wrote some good songs. You're fucking don't be so full of yourself and maybe like, yeah, you would be in, I mean, I don't know that I, like you said, he's, he maybe has higher highs than Nirvana, but I think out of like most, I don't think he's top tier if we're making the tier list, but no. like, sure, probably above Stone Temple Pilots or something. Like you're probably okay, in the that's top not 10. Saying much, that's not saying much though, because I, I fucking hate Stone Temple Pilots. Well, someday we'll play give, giving Scott Weiland the credit he's due, but... No, I have tried giving Scott Weiland so much credit, and he is he's, he was never as good as anyone likes to pretend he is. I will die on that hill. Okay. His Christmas well, album was good, though. We'll, 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 we'll save that for another one. Uh, we, I can only handle one, one... One big obnoxious personality at a time. Yeah, one obnoxious 90s personality at a time. The 90s suck, man. I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna live on that hill, too. Yeah, I will live and die on that hill. I will live and die on that hill. The, the 90s, I don't care that like I'm a quote-unquote 90s kid. God, yeah. the 90s gave us a lot of absolute garbage. I mean, that's true of every decade, though. Gave us a lot of like decent stuff yeah, and a lot but, of garbage. Like, the, like, I mean, what, that's, what's the, let's not discount well, no, no. like getting Alice in Chains and Pearl Jam and... Well, okay, the first yeah, Pearl oh, Jam album. And oh my Soundgarden, God. you love Soundgarden. I don't love Soundgarden, you though. Love that's, that's Soundgarden. Weak... You I love no, Chris Cornell. No, I love Chris Cornell. Soundgarden is by far the weakest project he was in. Jeff, you sound like you fell on Black Days. It's not even close uh, that Soundgarden is the weakest project he was ever in. So are you saying that when he left Soundgarden, he broke free of his rusty cage and ran? Anyway. Man, Johnny Cash's cover of that is so good. Do you know it? <clears throat> yeah, I do. Oh, God, that's so good. Johnny Cash did some great covers. Yeah, he sure did. But anyways... I do think it's funny that ab about a week before you brought up doing this album, I was I was kind of talking about this with with someone about like the legacy of the Smashing Pumpkins compared to some of those other uh, '90s bands, and maybe you'll disagree with this, but like I don't know if I'll leave this in. This is kind of mean, but but I I said, man, if only Lane Staley's death and Billy Corgan surviving were were swapped so that we wouldn't get Zwan and the second like reincarnation of Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, damn, dude. Jesus. <laughs> so, okay, no, okay. So, like, let's, okay, let's clarify. I think you should leave that. Let's clarify, like. It's a joke. That's a shit that's a, take. That's, that's a that's a shit take made at the spot. Like, yeah. don't, don't, don't come at me. Yo, don't. This is like, this is like that time that, like, people tried canceling Gilbert Gottfried for making, like, an off-color, like, shitty joke about a 
about the earthquake in Japan or something. Yeah. Get the fuck over yourselves. Like you all do it. Like quit pretending you're you're all some high and mighty thing. Quit virtue signaling, right? Fair. It's a dumb joke. We don't actually mean that. Like I don't wish death upon Billy Corgan. No, However, absolutely. There is, and we've mentioned this before, the idea of you know, I saw it said in reference to Clapton, which was we hate him because he lived. Right? Yeah. Like if if Clapton died in the earlier mid 70s, he would have gone down as this like this this absolute god of his era who never really did anything wrong because there wasn't anything to talk about yet, right? Yeah. He didn't go on coke-fueled racist tirades yet. He didn't release numerous albums of what, you know, music that most people don't particularly like. Um he didn't become a, a grumpy old man. If he would have died young, he would have been like, "Oh yeah, Clapton was a god. He was 19 when he came on the scene and and then Cream was amazing and then it's a shame that he died, right? Yeah. Like it's 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 completely true, I think. I do think that if if Billy Corgan you know, even if he just retired and disappeared and faded away into obscurity, like you know, like I, like Glass did. Yeah. Yeah, listening to I, I got, listening to a radio tell him that he's gone or whatever. Yeah, whatever. But like if it ended there, if it legitimately ended there, I do think Smashing Pumpkins would probably would probably still hold a lot more a lot more weight as like uh oh man, weren't they wild? Like yeah. they came out of nowhere, they did some really crazy stuff and then just disappeared. I mean let's let's face it. I I I don't think I don't think anyone who, who spends any time critically thinking about it would believe that like Nirvana would still be on top of the world right now. Yeah. Like if Kurt Cobain were still alive, the band would have most likely broken up by some point. They would have released a handful of albums that people don't care about and they would have gone away and retired. Yeah. Or, or started other projects. Like maybe Dave Grohl would have still gone on to form other, other bands and, and been everywhere. But like, no, like Kurt Cobain would not be, be some some god among men still he'd just be some 60 year old dude out there yeah. who was popular 30 years ago right yeah what okay so do you have any more thoughts on this album specifically um no no i i think i covered it i, I i'm i like a few tracks otherwise I'm, I'm mostly torn and i'm just very frustrated at billy corgan because i want to like billy corgan but the more i listen to him the more insufferable he seems so, okay, on that note, since we kind of opened with your history of the Smashing Pumpkins, do you have any, um, like, have you listened to any of the later stage Smashing Pumpkins post, air quotes, reunion when he got back with a band that had no original members and put out Zeitgeist and and started his revolving door version of the Smashing Pumpkins because Juan and his solo project weren't working out for him. So I have not. I do remember his solo project in Zwan. Um, I have not, though. I did listen to a lot of Smashing Pumpkins. I actually almost intentionally did not touch the last few albums. Like, I, I I'll, left... tell you the, I'll tell you the first Smashing Pumpkins album I gave Billy Corgan money for was Zeitgeist. Really? Yeah. And is it, is it good? Do you remember Tarantula? No. I'm sorry. That's another one he says stupid. Tarantula. S are, seriously? I'm pretty sure. Oh my god. See, this... What about, what about oh Doomsday Clock? Do you remember Doomsday Clock? No. This Doomsday Clock is beaten in my heart. It was okay. It had a couple songs. Oh like I every want... album. It had a couple songs that weren't bad. And 
But see, that's the problem. Then he does shit like that. Oh my god. The, 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 the... Isn't he the one who one time described described his way of naming songs as like, well, it's a song that reminded me of my grandmother's house and my grandmother had this really weird colored lampshade and the lampshade was like a beige color, so I named the song White or whatever. Like, isn't he the one who went he, on that rant? I'll tell you I'll tell you the exact one that I remember. Thank because, you. Please do. Because I, I, th- I think it was him who had, like, this weird train of thought here. He, he, yeah, he said that most a lot of his songs come from, like, a weird train of thought. And the one that I remember is Rhinoceros. It's called okay. that. It's called that because the refrain is, she knows, she knows, she knows. And knows reminds him of a rhinoceros. I cannot put in the words how much i hate that <laughs> like i really can't and now here's the thing like this uh, okay personal preference w- world right the problem is uh, there's there's a there's a naming style that i actually do really like which i know a lot of people can't stand and that is the whole like you have an instrumental piece of music with like a kind of abstract sounding name Right, like there's this like art rock fusion band called Consider the Source, and they have tracks yeah. called things like "Moisturize the Situation" or "You Want a Goat." I mean, if you take it out of the context of popular music and just look at the title, it "Smells Like Teen Spirit," I understand that there's a story where it comes from and everything, but it is just kind of nonsense if you just look at it like that. I am kind of all in favor of that for some reason, but the whole like I named it this. Because it made me think of this after I saw this. It's just like you're you're three levels of abstraction away from the original thought. And that just... Remember Kuehl theory? I was literally about to say, let's make the Kuehl a unit of measurement. Do, do you remember the... Okay, so you remember Kuehl theory, right? Yeah. I'm not going to get into this. But, like, that's what it makes me think about, right? It's like it's like Billy Corgan ran his, his songs his song concepts through the Kuehl theory filter yeah. and he stopped at like level five. Oh my God. And he's just like, all right, this is my name. And I don't know why it, I will admit that this is like a completely irrational hatred, but my God, I can't stand it. I hate it so much. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. You're welcome. Otherwise, no, I really don't have any more thoughts. I, I want to like Billy Corgan, but he just makes it really hard. He's, he's not far off of Motley Crue, but for very different reasons. I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest. I think reunion, Smashing Pumpkins, kind of like peaked when he was trying to do the the, the releasing songs as singles. Okay. Um, because then I don't have to take it as a full album. Like he was right. Like I I can just take the single song and I can take it or leave it. And if it if it sucks, I don't have to think about it in the context of an album again. And if it's good, I can just kind of throw it on my on my playlist or whatever. There were a handful of songs that he put out during that time period that I thought were pretty good. And I yeah. don't have to think about the ones that suck. Like, I actually think he was onto something, and that's the idea that he gave up. The problem is, once again, he had to make it like a fucking pretentious circle jerk, where he was like, I have 44 songs, I'm gonna release one at a time over 44 weeks. And he couldn't do this shit, because it's fucking outrageous to fucking expect someone to do. Again, you know, you can't tell him no, because he's gonna do it, whether people tell him no or not. Oh no, maybe God. he like maybe he actually does need someone to like if, pull if, the reins in a little bit here, right? Yeah. Maybe he needs maybe he needs he needs, and I'm not saying this as a bad thing because I think everyone needs this. I actually recently listened to someone discuss Metallica, saying like what Metallica needs right now is like a producer. Is they need Bob Rock to come back mm-hmm. and say, "Kirk, 
we're going to make you push your boundaries a little bit because you've been playing it safe for too long. James, I'm going to grab the reins for a minute here because you're, 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 you're playing it safe too much. Like you're being a little, what, right? Like yeah. that's not a bad thing to need that. Yeah. Billy Corgan needs someone to filter him. Yeah. And I genuinely think he could release like a, an absolutely stellar album because the band is awesome. Let's face it. Oh, the band James, is, James Ehan, James, Jimmy Cham- Chamberlain are great musicians. Are, they are. They are, they really are like top of the game at what they do. Fantastic. But someone needs to tell Billy no. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, going back to like the, the, the whole idea of like Billy being like the front man of this band is I think that it, it, it seems to be that no one again, can tell Billy no. Like, no one even in the band can say this doesn't sound like a good idea because that's when he kicks you out of the band. So is that actually what happened? Or is that just, like, all speculative speculative garbage? How, how much, like, where? how deep does that go? Because I really don't know. I don't know the story behind the members. It so. is the, it is the, okay. So the problem is that, like, after Melancholy, the lineup kind of becomes chaos for various reasons. Uh, I think James leaves for a second and then comes back before a door. I think uh, Jimmy Chamberlain is not present during a door. Uh, and they used a drum machine and they were going to find a new drummer and then he came back. But I think there was also drug issues involved. Uh, Darcy Retsky left before uh, Machina and she never came back. They got no, like, another... She's in the all basis. Fair, no. She has like some problems of her own, does she not? Like I believe, I believe she struggles with some her of her own problems. I, as far as I understood, she struggles with drug issues, but she also has not kept quiet about feuding with Billy, like in the press. Okay, so that's kind of what I mean. Like I, I feel like I'm vaguely aware of her situation, but I feel like every time she says something, maybe I'm re- misremembering this. So if you if you happen to know, please correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like she's one of the ones who, like, she will make a statement about, like, oh, I tried doing this and this and this, but, like, meanwhile, there's proof that she didn't. Yeah, and I and I think... I, I, I th- feel like she just has bigger problems. I think they both have had arguing in the press that that both sides are kind of making things up or lying about things or well, exaggerating yeah, no things. Both, both sides. But, yeah, I think she absolutely has some drug issues. Uh, but then, post-reunion... Uh, I think Billy reformed the band with no original members and got Jimmy Chamberlain in before Zeitgeist, and then he left again, and there were no original members for a couple albums, and then he got Eha and Chamberlain back recently, fairly recently. But it has kind of been a revolving door band ever since uh, the reunion, and even before then there were members like in and out during tour periods, during recording periods, stuff like that. Okay. And it seems to be a mixture of both drugs and Billy being a control freak and people having... I mean, I guess it can't be completely, you know, him. he doesn't let anyone write because James Zeha does have a few, like, songs that he wrote. You can actually... Yeah. He actually, if you know the song Go off of uh, Machina 2, he actually sings that one completely. Yeah. It, it seems that he has maybe not an iron grip on the band, but, like, all close. Yeah, Okay. I, I, I can kind of see that. I mean, again, I, I, I kind of wish there was someone who, uh, I wish there was someone who would tell James no. This is pretty much what it comes out to. Not James. You, I'm sorry. Well, Billy. Who would tell Billy no on occasion. I feel like James tells, 
or Billy tells James no every morning. I feel like that's possibly the case. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna turn the rest of the episode into my own Billy the Egomaniac skits. <laughs> okay. I'm kind of with you. I mean, I really wish that I could like Billy Corgan more because I mean, I've I've been listening to Smashing Pumpkins since high school, and like, I don't want that guy to be a dickhead. <laughs> Like it's way no, easier I, if my life for on my life if he isn't a dickhead and he's putting out music that I want to listen to, but um th- this just like this fucking ego about him that makes it very difficult to like at least the public persona that he puts out there and the image of him that exists in like the public and then it's also very difficult to like a lot of the music he's been putting out lately. Well, even if he wasn't putting out music, like I'd be okay if he put out music I didn't like. If he just weren't so weirdly snobbish about it. Yeah. Again, like the, the ego just seeps through and it's 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 unsettling, to be honest. Going back to that previous quote that I brought up, it's my job to make attractive pop music that people will want to listen to while they're washing their car or something. That seems almost sarcastic. You know Billy doesn't believe that. He wrote this Big thirty-three song, two and a half, or two hour and fifteen minute concept album. He knows that that's not music that people are listening to while they wash their car. That seems almost like a fucking sarcastic, you know, throwaway comment. Yeah, I again, there's he no said, way. He, there's no way anyone is out there fucking washing their car to star way to the stars. He says a lot that he he. He does the complete opposite. I mean, there's no way around saying There's no other way to say it. Do you want to do a minute of what have you been listening to? Outside of Smashing Pumpkins, can we talk about something that isn't Billy Corgan? I would... I would... Be so happy to talk about things that aren't Billy Corgan for a while. Okay, Chris, what have you been listening to? Did you end up... Okay, first off, did you end up going to that concert the other night? I went to... Two satanic metal concerts in the same church in two days. So, yes. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't know that. I, did, I only knew of the one. I obviously did not make it to either, so. I saw Midnight, and then the next night, Possessed rolled through. Um, oh, I don't, I'm not familiar with them. Okay. Really? I don't think so. Not by name. We we might have to talk a little about Possessed. Uh, okay. Let me, start, let me start with Midnight. First off, um, that was fun. Midnight played... Midnight's a band that we've talked about on the show before. They do, like, a satanic kind of gimmick. And they they played um a recently played a church that has been turned into kind of like a punk venue slash record store. They actually played in the um in the church part this time. Oh, not in the basement okay, cool. where we where I think we've seen before. Yeah, we but, saw Starkill there. Yeah, well, actually, we saw Starkill in a different location. They've moved since then. They're, oh, they're, they're I was like gonna say, cro- yeah, they weren't in a church. Oh, that's, yeah, no, that's right. They didn't move. They're like across that. the street now. Yeah, yeah, I forgot uh, that that wasn't in the church. That was in the old location. Right. So. They they played. Um, that was actually a really good show. Uh, they went on at midnight in a church, so that was probably going to send me to hell. But if that wasn't, the next night, Possessed, who are... Man. Okay, so now I'm going to talk about like having ego in maybe a constructive manner. Okay. The band Possessed is a strong contender for the first death metal band. Okay? The first band to start playing death metal as we know it alongside bands like Death and um, whoever the fuck else was around in, like, 86. So their singer, um, they, they've only put out three albums uh, because I think 
probably a big part of that is that their singer was shot twice in like the 80s and he's actually wheelchair bound okay okay i know who they are because of that okay like i don't know them by name i know that yeah you should check out Possessed, being that you kind of like that early death metal, like like death and some Sepultura and stuff like that. Yeah, okay. Um, they're they're kind of one of those bands where people will go like, ah, eh, that's just kind of like the next level of thrash. But I I'd argue that they're de- that they're you know the first death metal band, and that was one of uh, one of the things he was saying on stage is you know we're the first meth- death metal band. Fuck the people who tell us otherwise. I've been doing this for long enough that I'm going to take the credit for that and fuck anyone else who tells me otherwise, which I think is, you know, considering that that's probably true, um, depending on how you fucking define your music. I'll let that one go. That's a, that I think is a constructive way to look at some, having some ego towards your music. Yeah. All right. Possessed, right? Yeah. Why are they not? I'm just trying to find out. Like, I know you. I know. I know we've talked about them before. Okay. Like, not not podcast wise. What are you like trying to general. look for? I'm just trying to find a. Yes, this is the dude I was picturing. Yeah. In fact, this is specifically the video I recall here. Uh, live at Rock Plast 2019. Yeah, I had no idea. I totally missed that you went to go see them. Very cool. Well, I wasn't planning on it, and then I was like, you know what? What are the what are the chances that he might just like not roll through again? Because they don't come through yeah. very often as it is, and he's what fifty four and in a wheelchair. Yeah, you, so, you you never know. I mean, not that I want to be pessimistic, but like, hey, you, like you never know. Well, I mean, you never know. He might just decide that touring is too much. Then he's done. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he might. It, it's just you know getting too difficult to do. He was getting very emotional. He was, he was like crying at some points because of like the, just like, I guess they don't get to do many all ages shows and it just like hit him, like seeing like 16, 18 year olds, like going crazy to his music that he was writing when he was like their age. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's actually kind of a cool concept when you stop and think about it is like, I I mean, I have no idea what that's like to, to be like, wow, I wrote this song, you know. 35 years ago when I was 15 and now there's still 15 year olds who are like that's that's a cool concept before before the song he the exorcist he claimed he wrote that song he started writing that song when he was 12 so that's a cool concept to think about actually cool very good deal again I that's a band that I would recommend you check out they have three albums and all three of them are good easy to get into too I like that yeah yeah I like I like the idea of three albums that I assume aren't <laughs> over two hours long each. Oh, Jesus Christ. And also, <laughs> okay, again, I know you don't like Primus, but you gotta fucking respect the talent. Larry Lalonde is on the uh, the first album, Seven Churches. Oh, that's kind of cool. I mean, I don't like Primus, but, like, they're all... They're all talented individuals. Right. All right have you been listening to anything else notable outside of the outside of the live music? I got some very... Very pretty death records at that concert, by the way, in the record store next door. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you my pretty death records. Oh man, those are cool though. Yeah. See, one is of of you when you had your rash. I was gonna say it's it's the <laughs> leprosy guy. I yeah. forgot that that was death. Yeah, when I was when my skin allergies were at their worst. <laughs> oh man, I actually found some of those pictures. I was looking for an old picture. Uh, I was looking for a picture of an old friend of mine. One of those weird cases of like, I realize that someone I know also, well, like we, we have a mutual friend kind of thing. Right. Yeah. 
So it was one of those. I was like, oh my god, let me see if I can find this old picture of this guy that I took years and years ago. And as I'm digging through these old pictures, I found... I found pictures of my arms when, like, my allergies were at their worst and they were unmedicated. And just, like, I had just, like... Oof. Yeah, I mean, just, you know, just throwing it out there. I had, like, flakes of skin just, like, falling off. It was awful and painful and there was a lot of blood. Uh, it was a great time. Turns out I'm allergic to soap. <laughs> to put it... Not, not literally... Well, almost literally. I'm allergic to a lot of detergents. Um, a very specific chemical in many soaps. I, I'm a, yes, I'm allergic to, like, very specific things that are pretty common. So, like, I think at the time... This is back when we were both working at, at Wendy's, like, when, like in college... Uh, I was allergic, most likely, to the soap we used there. Man, that was a good time. But yeah, I looked just like this guy on the Leprosy album. That's great. Um, so that's it's been, cool. It's a deal. It's been, yeah, it's been Smashing Pumpkins. It's been Death. It's been, you know, some Midnight Possessed. Uh, uh, some Sloth Egg. And, uh, I listened, and I listened to the covers EP from uh, our recently discussed Friends and Ghosts. And boy, they sure music. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's that's a valid description. Did you listen to it? No. Should I? Mm, they sure music. I mean, do you want to know the the cover lineup this time? I guess. Do I do I want to? I'm going to look. I don't know. It's going to be dumb, isn't it? Uh Um, see no evil. Is this literally Phantom of the Opera like like the musical? No, by Iron Maiden. Oh, okay. So here's here's more more complaining about his voice. They did a fairly straightforward version of Phantom of the Opera by Iron Maiden, which I I don't know. Are you familiar with that one? I it's I a do not know that popular song, no. song in their live sets. Um, which means you've heard Bruce sing it a whole lot, and it's off of their first album, which is one of the ones with um oh with Paul Diano. Paul Diano. So you've actually you can hear two great singers have their take on this. And then here, Tobias Forge's fucking somewhat flat, kind of like not very impressive, pushed back in the mix vocals. And the most interesting thing he does with it is sing it from the Phantom's perspective instead of the Victim's perspective, which is super cool. It's not. God, he has such a cool voice when, when used correctly. I mean, here's the thing is I like his voice in his music a lot, but when he does a song that's cover- that's by someone with a powerful voice, it just doesn't work because he doesn't have a powerful voice. Yeah, no. No. No, he doesn't. Um, Man, I'm also just like so, I'm so, like, Jesus, he knows me. C- can we, all right, can we, can we, I don't know, man. The, the shtick is over to me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm done with the shtick. I'm, I'm... I'm glad people are still having fun. I actually have a friend who only recently discovered a ghost, like, within the past year. Yeah. And I'm just like, man, I'm so sad that you're now a fan, because I could have been taking you to their shows years ago, and I'm just no longer into this. Like, I can't yeah. get behind anymore. That's All a right. shame. That, that's... Whatever. What have you been listening to? I hope it's... I hope it's... There's happier things out there than Smashing Pumpkins and Billy Corgan interviews. Oh, you gotta God, give yeah. me something good. Okay, uh, something good. Can we start with Kiss? Been listening to a lot of Kiss. Oh <laughs> so actually, what was real fun was uh, I introduced a uh, a certain six year old to to Kiss uh, just like a week ago or so. I had on like you know some live video that was on YouTube, just like a full concert live footage. I just had it on, and and she walks in the room and goes, "Ew, why do they look like that? It's weird." 
and then she left. <laughs> um, in all fairness, we were then later listening to their first album in the car, and she, she she seemed to actually be digging it a little bit. But I mean, she's six. Her opinion yeah. only really means so much. But it, yeah, I had to introduce her eventually. Also, since we were talking about that live album, uh, that Aussie live album with 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 Brad Gillis of Night Ranger. Oh yeah. So I had to go listen to Night Ranger for a little while. Oh. Um, and it wasn't blowing my mind, but like I was having a good time. It's it's they're they're, they're better. They're fine. They're better than I remember thinking yeah. they were. But that was fine. Yeah. Um. They're fine. Also, because we were speaking of Chris Cornell, sometimes I forget how much I love the album called Scream. The one that's you like it's that like album, the yeah. electronic album, him, the one him that with, no uh, one likes, Timbaland. Yeah, the one that nobody likes, and I actually really do. So that that's been in rotation a good bit lately. But if also, anyone, if anyone ever feels that they need to insult either of us over our musical opinions, Jeff prefers "Scream" by Chris Cornell over any Soundgarden album. Um, you can take that for what it's worth. Okay, so hold on, I just want to clarify this because that is partially true. Soundgarden, again, had higher highs, but I like the album Scream as a whole more than I like any individual Soundgarden album. Like, that's, I will say that. Yeah, that's that's my Chinese democracy opinion again here. Yeah, yeah, there's also the Chinese democracy opinion. Well, yeah, but there, that's that's my Chris Cornell one. Yeah. Um, I mean, not that I think Scream is his best work. It's It's right. not. Of his solo albums, I do probably think it's his weakest, but it's interesting, and I like it for that. Um, also, I also got to experience some live music, Christopher. Oh man, I love live music. I we also talk love about live music, and it was, it was such an, it was so incredible. So I also went to a venue that used to be a church. Uh, this was Mr. Small's Funhouse in in Pittsburgh, which is uh, in the area. Like it's a, it's a pretty popular. Uh, venue holds around 600 people. So like it's the perfect size for that size. It's the perfect theater for that size crowd. Right. So I went to go see the lineup was Jacob Zetecki, uh, Sungazer and Pliny, which I don't know if you know any of these people. No. Okay. So, uh, before the show started, there was a guy behind me who said, and I quote, are you ready for all these fucking notes? There's about to be so many fucking notes, man. <laughs> it was one of those shows. So we're, we're talking okay. like, we're talking like experimental rock, uh, jazz fusion-y stuff. So like Jacob Zetecki is one of the, is like a, is a modern style shredder, not quite the like polyphia style, but it's big chunky chords, you know, extended range guitar with some, with some really good weedly woos over it. Um, and then who I really went for was Sungazer, who is this jazz fusion group. Um, and they're one of those bands, which like, I know some people hate this kind of thing. I personally do not care. Yeah. There were two, there were two laptops on stage during this performance. Like there's a lot of triggered effects and and whatnot, but on stage it is, uh, they had bass, saxophone, guitar, and drums. Um, it, the band is primarily the bass player and the drummer. They're the ones who like create the project. So the drummer's name is Sean Crowder and the bass player is Adam Neely, who actually runs a really big YouTube channel. That's like all music theory talk stuff. Okay. Um, and then I forget the man's name who was playing saxophone with them. So I apologize, 
but their guitar player on this tour is another New York like jazz fusion guy named Shub Sharan, who is just absolutely phenomenal. When I saw that he was touring with them for this tour, I was just floored. So it was a lot of notes and it was a lot of weird sounds. And they're one of those bands that like, they're aware that the music is kind of pretentious. So yeah. they do this thing, like Adam will do this thing where he'll like, all right, so I have to teach you how to clap to this song. And he literally has to like spell it out. He's like, okay, it's going to go like this. Right? And then you have to do it back to him. So there, I have like a video of like three minutes of just him teaching how to clap <laughs> to one song specifically. It's it's obnoxious, pretentious jazz fusion music. I mean, quite frankly, it's really all it is 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 like the jazz fusion guys from the 70s amped up. Like if you took like yeah. Return to Forever or, or Mahavishnu Orchestra, that kind of thing. It's just the modern take on that. But I'm a sucker for that kind of thing. So it was a phenomenal experience. And that was a great time. Unfortunately, I went with a buddy of mine who was like having some uh, like sinus issues that were making him feel oh, pretty no. nauseated. So he actually left early. So I was at this show by myself for a lot of it. And that's that's just not as fun, man. But no, it was a great time. So that's what I've been into. It's 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 uh it's it's been a good time when I haven't been forcing myself to listen to twelve hours of Smashing Pumpkins. And all the interviews and half an hour of every episode of the podcast and oh man. Yeah, it's nice to get away from a pretentious musician and go out and see some pretentious and musicians. see some pretend that's exactly what it is yeah it's exactly what it is i'm getting tired of pretentious musicians so come back next time when we'll be talking about kiss u2 and will oasis river reunite 